I played the bad guy in I don't know how many different projects <laughs> uh, in my twenties. Oh, dude. Well, in my twenties, I was like you know, drug dealer, um, you know, henchman, you know, and I I did did a few projects with like Nicolas Cage and, and stuff like that. Um, but now I'm you know I'm the the lawyer, the doctor, you know. It's funny how all of a sudden you're not asked for permission, but it, somehow you become that new part. Like I remember I became, a, I was a dad all of a sudden. Like oh, I'm yeah. sitting there and, and all of a sudden these kids are here and I'm like, what are the kids here? And they're like, well, you're going to be the dad. And I'm like, they didn't ask my permission. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a dad, right? right. <laughs> so they don't care. It, you go through those transitions. They don't care, man. Hey, I'm Armando Leduc, producer, film actor, and owner of Leduc Entertainment. I've chosen a life off the beaten path and wanted to find others that are doing the same. Spaghetti on the Wall is a show based on all of the years that I've thrown spaghetti on the wall and nurtured what's stuck. We will share fun stories, ideas, tips, tricks, and more. Welcome to Spaghetti on the Wall. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on when you're catching this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Spaghetti on the Wall with another banger. Blue Styly, bro, what's up, man? Nothing, it's good to see you again. Oh, a few man. weeks, right? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. But look, um, I so I saw Blue on stage at the uh, Personal Injury Legal Marketing Association conference in New Orleans, um, and just you know owning it. And he um, sent me a book, and I was like, man, this guy is somebody that I, I would like to just meet, talk to, interview, and just kind of see what's going on in his world. Um, and so I know we spoke a, a bit and we'll cut it all together, you know, um, sure. as the editors do. But, um, but talk to me about, so talk to me about this 850 pushups in one class. Like that's, uh, what? <laughs> well, people always ask me, I was a personal trainer for a long time and people were always like, you know, how do you work your chest and how is it that you're really good at pushups? And, um, I was lucky enough to be in martial arts when I was a kid and my karate instructor at the time, he told me, we were, I was messing around in class and the punishment, whether or not we were supposed to do it, it was going to be push-ups always. And so one day we weren't paying attention and basically I was not paying attention. And he looked right at me and he walked over to the side of the, uh, the dojo and he got a pin out and he walked up to the mirror in front of the entire class and he wrote num down the number 850. Now I'm from Spokane, Washington and the area code is 509. So I know he was not going to give us his phone number. And I was like, what? is 850 and he began to tell the class he goes we are going to do 850 push-ups every class and we got down and we started doing push-ups and as we were doing them i was like did this man mean like just tonight or every class because there's three classes a day right and i pity the next class that came in the next morning to see that 850 up there but god forbid every single day if you were in class, you were doing 850 push-ups, and you would try to keep up with him. But he would do the 850, and as a kid at 12 years old, it was like it was time to do those push-ups until they became bread and butter. And so uh, I tell all my clients all the time, I'm like, if you put that number on the wall, if you if you ink it and you write it down, you better believe in it because you can get to it. You just have to go after it. So 850 doesn't take that long if you just start pumping them. But uh, it certainly will uh, get a fire under you and get your chest in a good shape. 850. How long does it take you to do 850? Do you still do 850 a day? You know, I can do 850 push-ups in, in a day. I'll bust out a couple hundred nonstop. 
Um, but like I said, it is my bread and butter. Burpees and push-ups have always been my thing since I was a kid. But uh, you put a squat rack on me and my wife will destroy me. So I'm not taking any credit on that. But that's my strength is push-ups. That's amazing. So talk to me. So I, I know you're an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have you been doing that? Over 20 years. Um, I got into, uh, as when I was working at Gold's Gym, um, I, uh, well, actually, let me, let me tell you a fun little story. Actually. Sure. Uh, when I was 12, I was watching the A-Team and I don't know if you loved the A-Team growing up, but I certainly Yeah, Mr. T. Look at you singing along. Oh, man. And, uh, I was watching it and on came a commercial and it was for Bowflex. And I remember seeing on screen that said, hey, you know, send away for your free VHS tape, you know, so you can buy this and that. And I was sent away for it. I got on my rotary phone. I called it up. And about a week and a half later, this VHS tape showed up and I put it on and my mom came home and she goes, what are you watching? And I go, I I, want to look like this guy. This is what I want to look like. And he goes, my my mom says, no, no. She just starts busting out laughing. She says, that guy is a paid actor or model. And he does not look like that because of that machine. And so as a result, I learned two things. Number one, I was not getting a Bowflex for Christmas by any means. And number two, how awesome would it be to have a job where you get paid to A, look like that and travel and do all those things. And so when I, several years later, uh, I was actually scouted when I was, when I was working for Gold's Gym and I tried out for an audition and I landed the first gig. I, I signed with an agency and I, I landed my first gig with Levi's and it was a giant campaign. And I was like, this job is easy. This is, I'm going to quit everything I do. And I'm just going to devote myself to that. And I'm glad I did not because it took 15 more castings for me to actually get another job. Right. Yeah. So that was a big lesson to me, but, um, so I've done it for over 20 years and I've had a great career. Um, a commercial actor and a lot of, uh, of modeling and such. And people always ask me, they're like, what is your favorite job of all time? And it's hard for me to, to like come up with a really good one. But my favorite is when I got called in for an auto casting where they've direct booked me out of Portland. And when I showed up, I walked into the, uh, uh, into the studio and the director took me back and the producer took me back and they were like, okay, here's what we were doing today. And underneath the green screen and the lights was the new Bowflex machine. Ah. And they said, you guys have, you have, you have a couple minutes. Why don't you take some time over at uh, craft services, you know, before you head into uh, makeup and hair, and then we're going to start shooting. And I was like, perfect. Well, instead of going to craft services, I walked outside and I called my mom and I said, Hey, guess who the new Bowflex guy is. And that was a full circle of Man. where I actually became that. And that was pretty cool. So that is my favorite job of all time. That's how, I kind of got, uh, I was found when I worked at Gold's Gym and I had no idea that it would take the career turns that I did, but it is, it has given me so many opportunities to travel the world. I have agencies all over and I have so much fun at it and it, uh, it's brought a lot of joy to me and I've made a number of connections worldwide on that and it has definitely propelled my life for sure. And I've, I've enjoyed every moment of it. That's amazing. Uh, any, any television and film? Yeah. So uh, I was in Surrogates with Bruce Willis, one of a Disney movie about uh, 15 years ago or so. I'm trying to remember the date, but I just do commercials basically. Gotcha. So like I'm the Coors guy or the uh, Volvo guy and main commercial actor. But I have agencies in California and uh, Florida and then uh, Chicago and, and Dubai and 
Munich, Very Germany cool. and Hamburg. I travel around. It's pretty neat. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm on the mm-hmm. been, you know, was, I played the bad guy in I don't know how many different projects. <laughs> uh, in my Are you 20s. getting typecast? Oh, dude. Well, in my 20s, I was like, you know, drug dealer, um, you know, henchman, you know, and I I did did a few projects with like Nicolas Cage and, and stuff like that. Um, but now I'm, you know, I'm the the lawyer, the doctor, you know, the police. It's funny chief. how it's funny how all of a sudden you're not asked for permission, but it, somehow you become that new part. Like I remember I became, a, I was a dad all of a sudden like oh, I'm yeah. sitting there and, and all of a sudden these kids are here and I'm like, what are the kids here? And they're like, well, you're going to be the dad. And I'm like, they didn't ask my permission. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a dad. Right. <laughs> so they don't care. It's, you go through those transitions. They don't care, man. Um, dude. So, uh, you're also a speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you, so, I'm sure so you were doing personal training and then obviously the acting work. When did the public speaking uh, come in? So I actually, um, my martial arts instructor and my dad died in the same month, about three and a half years ago. And after they died, I started diarying. Just like these little lessons that they, they both taught me, both good and bad, kind of like the rich dad, poor dad, like where my dad was, he was a great man, but he was a, a poor father figure. Whereas my martial arts instructor was an amazing father figure to me, right? And so I was getting the best of both worlds, how not to treat people and how to treat people. And as I started writing these lessons down that, that they had instilled within me, I started realizing that I kind of had a notebook of life lessons that were more of a workbook for basically a self-help uh, book. And I love reading self-help books. And as I went through it, I was like, you know, this is kind of a book. And so I came up with the idea. I I passed it by my wife and I was like, hey, what if I write a book? And I was really, really looking for my next thing to do because I had been a personal trainer for almost 20 years. I'd done the acting for about 20 years with that. I did close quarter combat tactics with different SWAT teams and different sheriff teams and uh, Department of Defense. And I was just looking for my next t-shirt kind of to grab. And my wife thought it was a great idea because I actually speak to people all the time. I have classes, I have workshops and things. And so it wouldn't be that big of a jump for me. However, as I wrote this book, I was like, maybe I could speak on this book because I've always had this way of making unique connections, right? And, and this ability that people ask me all the time, they're like, how do you connect with people? And I'm like, well, you know, there's so many different ways, but if you break it down into these sections, it really, you, there's an easier way to make some kind of connection with somebody. And so I started writing this book based on the life lessons that I was receiving. And uh, a, a friend of mine had an editor and uh, I gave it to the editor and she was, she took, she basically gave me the book back about a month later and it looked like a candy cane. It was all this white paper with these red marks, red marks, red marks. And a great friend of mine, he is, he is one of my best friends. His name is Boyd Morrison. He's an, an author and he co-authored Clive Kressler books. He was like, Blue, what you do now is going to make the difference. Okay, this is your spaghetti on the wall moment. And he said that if you want to be a writer, you will take what the editor gave you and go with it. But if you want to pretend that you're a writer, then you can write a book about something. And if the editor didn't understand it, most of the population won't understand it. And so it was a big punch in the stomach, but I redid that candy cane and I turned it back in and then it came back to me a little less candy cane, but again and again and again. And after three years, I had a book and I got it published and it kind of took off. 
And people started coming up to me and they said, you should speak really on all of these life lessons and such. And so that's really what the catalyst was. It was, it was just a new uh, direction that I wanted to take my life, a new, a new way. And uh, I started running with it and it kind of, the history is there. That's amazing, man. What do you say to, and I don't know where I heard it, you know, it's social media, but like, and it could be David Goggins who, who said this, but mm -hmm. like he said, men need to suffer in order to be successful. Do you believe this? Do you, do you buy into this? I think, I think by suffer, I mean, pain hurts, right? I talk about in my book, um, humility is, is pain, right? Fear is pain. And if you can overcome those fears or that humility or even being punched, I mean, I had a karate, a karate instructor who would literally punch me, not the, the, my, my main instructor, but another sister school instructor. And he would hit me. And when he hit me, he would say, you need to learn to duck, right? That's a different lesson. And so it made me stronger in the sense like, oh, I could, I need to learn to duck. But I also learned how to manage myself around that. And it, I do believe that being able to overcome certain fears and such do make you stronger. I mean, I, I'm sure you have many lessons and many errors that you've made because there's no straight line. And if you're going from A to Z, the quickest way possible is the straight line, but we're all going to veer off. And whether that's in your diet or in finance or in whatever direction you're trying to take your life, what goals are, you're trying to achieve, you're going to hit road bumps. And when you do that, some of them are going to hurt. And, you know, whoever tells you that getting punched feels good, I, I don't know anybody who does that. But, I mean, getting hurt sometimes does make you stronger. But I think the ability to see that as an obstacle or a challenge and how to work around that is really more important than getting over that, that fear factor or, or that, that pain. Do, so do you wake up and, and do the, the cold dips and, and, and all of these things too? No, no, no. I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to have my coffee? Am I going to do this? I see. I'm not, I gave, it was funny, like 15 years ago, I, I was on the cover of magazines and I was on, I, my goal was to be on an underwear box in all seriousness. I was like, I want to have to be on an underwear box, like Mark Wahlberg or something like that, Marky Mark. And then as I started getting older and older, it was harder and harder to keep those abs. And I was like, man, do I just want to be a model or do I want to be like, have the eight pack? And I kind of gave up that. I'll have Oreo cookies now. And I'm like, I love Oreo. And I seem to be like the trash can for my kids. They're like, I'm not going to eat that. I'm like, well, that piece of pizza needs to be eaten because I don't want to waste it. So I'll eat it. But as long as I stay within a certain realm, I think I'm okay. But no, I, uh, I have a routine. My wife is a huge, uh, she loves to work out and she loves to run. And so I try to keep up with her. Uh, and we try to instill that in our kids, you know, mar uh, martial arts and just physical fitness have been such a part of my life the entire time that I know what works best for my body and getting up and jumping in a cold shower does not work, but I've done it. I've done it plenty of times, but it is not my thing at all. So, you, so you got, how, how long have you been married? Uh, almost 10 years. Good for you, man. Mm -hmm. um, I'm coming yeah. up on seven. Uh, how old are your kids? Uh, we have an almost three-year-old. His name is Dax. And uh, I think I mentioned I'm such a Star Wars fan that I would have named him Darth, right? But my wife was like, no, 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 we're going with Dax. He's almost three. And then my daughter Hayden is eight. And she's going into the third grade and she's super excited. That's awesome. So how do you, yeah. how are you, um, do you believe in this work-life balance? I do. I what I think 
and, and I say this a lot on stage is that um, if you love what you do, it's, there's no such thing as work. I mean, in all seriousness, I would do this for free. I would get up on stage and speak for free because nobody heard that though, as my, as anybody trying to hire me, but I, I just love it. I absolutely love it. And it, it, I would do it for free. Um, and I love training people and I love working out and I love all of these things. This is one of the greatest things that my dad taught me one time. He was like, um, think of 10 things that you love. Okay. And write them down on paper, 10 things that you absolutely love. And then based on those 10 things, you know, it could be anything like, I love travel. I love money. I love, uh, cars. I love jet skis. I love volleyball. I love beaches, whatever it is, whatever your 10 loves are. And then try to connect that to a job. And if you're, if you can create a job based on all of those or a lot of those, that really makes a job that you, you love that you would do for free. Right. And so it, how do you connect all of those things? Are, are you a traveling wine connoisseur that lives on a beach that loves to jet ski and, and makes a lot of money, right? And so it's like, okay, there's seven of the 10, right? And so if you can create a job that you absolutely love, it is not work. And for me, I've done that in every single thing that I've done, every job, whether it's personal training, whether it's modeling, acting, whether it's speaking, writing a book, um, doing close quarter combat tactics, martial arts training and such, even building fences, which is what I did. I, I was uh, hard labor all the time. Um, I loved it and it was fun for me. And I try to instill that in my kids. And so if we can get outside and do fun things, it's kind of work, but I'm trying to teach my kids the same thing. It's like, it's not work. It's just kind of fun. But I know hands down that some jobs are suck. <laughs> you know? It's just like we had, uh, we, we built our home and um, our landscaper he showed up and a weekend his, his nephew quit and his partner quit. And he turned to me and he was like, dude, I can't do your yard by myself. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm putting on my big boy pants and we're doing this. And for three months I helped him move like 270 pound, 370 pound, uh, like stairs and such like big boulders. And I gained so much respect again for working with my hands. I was like, I can appreciate it, but I don't want to do that. That's not fun for me. And it hurts. Right? So some jobs suck. But if you, that's, that's, he loves it. He loves working outside. For me, I would much rather be speaking to people and helping people. So uh, the work-life balance, if I can be a good dad, uh, that's what success is to me. You know, like being able to pick my kids up at school every day, having dinner with my wife and, uh, and or breakfast, that's success to me, not how much money I have, right? And the ability for me to be able to do those things when I want to uh, is really important. And so my work-life balance is pretty good, but I can always have more family time. Yeah, I was going to, well, you, you just answered that. I was going to say, you know, what what does a good dad mean? Like, what, what, are, what are the aspects of a good dad? Well, me personally, I grew up with a dad who was a great lawyer, but an awful dad. You know, and I mean, he did some things and, and separated with my mom and such. And it was like, I learned from him how not to be a dad. And for me, what, what being a, a good dad is, is being present, you know, and having this work life uh, and this family relationship together, this community that um, we can kind of help our kids along. Um, being a good dad to me is when I go to the playground, 
I'm not on my phone. I am playing with them. Like I'm jumping up. I'm the guy that is going down the slide with my kids. I'm the one playing freeze tag with, and we, my wife and I always uh, volunteer our daughter's elementary school. And we're like, we're playing freeze tag. You try keeping up with 50 uh, eight-year-olds. And I'm just like, oh, my, my heart is like pumping. And I'm like, you guys done. I'm done. I'm time out. T, T, T is what they always say. And so it, as long as I can be fun and have fun with them, and they're not too embarrassed at me, I think that's a good successful dad, you know, and teach them uh, the, the basics of, you know, don't spend as much as you make, right? And to be able to have good time with your family and don't treat your brother badly, even though he's mean to you. And so that's what I try to do. My wife and I are uh, aligned to like so much and she's so much better of a mom that I can kind of slack and work a little bit more and, and she can bring it up, but it, uh, I think that's the answer is just being being present and actually playing because did you see that um tom hanks movie where he was uh, uh mr rogers did you catch that one no i need to though it is a good it's a good movie but there's a scene in it where his his like marketing director or something like that's like mr roger we got to go we got to get our next thing it's time to go and he got down to the level of the child and he was like what are you playing with like what are, what are you doing? And the kid was like totally engaged. And I think of that every single time that I play with my kids or their friends, or even when I'm speaking, like, and, and I'm, I'm not kidding when, when I speak, if I can directly relate to someone in the, in the room uh, or in the audience, it's like, I want them to feel like I'm speaking to them because that's being heard right? That's being relatable to someone else. And so this person believes that they're speaking and the kids feel the same way. And when, when my kids are talking, I'm like, okay, tell me, right? It's all about you. And I don't know. I think that's really special. And that was a lesson that I learned from a Tom Hanks movie, right? That's funny. Let me ask you this. Did your dad, um, was it, was it because he didn't know how to connect with a kid that was a problem? And, and maybe when you got older the 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 relationship changed a bit or or just was or, or he just was not a connecting type of guy yeah so he just he he was a selfish guy and he was a great lawyer he spent all of his time as a workaholic and he just um, when he divorced my mom he divorced me and he went his own way and he did his stuff and he just wasn't present for me i don't think that uh he knew how to be a dad um, unfortunately he didn't understand. And his excuse was that his dad didn't treat him that way. Right. And his dad was a, in the military and he was a Colonel and he was like this, he was hardcore and he didn't have time for that. And so as an excuse or rationale, that's how he was trained. And I would say that the opposite could be true because if you treat me badly, I'm going to either a treat other people badly because I learned from you, or I could take it as I don't want to treat people that way. Mm -hmm. I want to be different than that. And he just, he didn't have that way. Uh, and so the lessons that I learned from him, like, man, I'm not going to treat my kids that way. I'm going to be present and such. My dad was a hippie to the core. And so drugs and alcohol were certainly up there. So I'm sure that doesn't help, but it, uh, I think, I don't think he really wanted to be the greatest father figure, but mm. he did do one of the coolest things. And that was, he introduced me to my martial arts instructor. Because when I was when I was eight years old, I was picked on and I got made fun of hard. Growing up with the name Blue, sucked. Okay, and I was picked on and made fun of, and I was bullied hard. And there was a kid who lived down the street 
from me. And it was just like in the Christmas story, like he would like corner me and I'd be all scared and stuff. And I would literally run home scared to death of this kid. And um, when I told my parents, they were like, well, you should just walk away. And I'm like, did you not hear me? I run away every time. And my dad was like, well, you know what? I'm going to, I have an idea. And so he introduced me to his martial arts instructor, his judo instructor. And I have to believe in my heart that even though my dad wasn't a great dad, he gave me off to someone who would take his place and he knew would be a great father figure for me. And in my heart, because my dad's gone, I have to believe that's what it was. And so in a way, he gave me the greatest gift. And that was introducing me to someone that would let my wings fly and support me the way that a dad should, right? But instead, it was a father figure. It was my karate instructor, my martial arts instructor, my, my sensei. And I think a lot of people come from broken homes. Um, and, and I speak on this all the time is that it doesn't have to be your dad. You don't have to have a dad. You can have a mentor. You can have a coach. You can have a teacher. You can have a friend's parent. And if they're the right person that can help you and you know how to ask for that help, man, that's, that's the secret. That is the absolute secret to success, I believe. And that is by making each of those connections and making a real genuine connection. And my dad didn't have that, but he did hand me off to someone who did. How, um, for people that are, um, oh, you know, business owners, they're grown up. Um, mm -hmm. how are they, how are they finding, um, how are they finding the right mentor? Cause I mean, you got coaches galore these days, you know, but how are you finding the right coach? Man, that's a great question. Let me give you an analogy. People come up to me all the time when I was a personal trainer and they're like, are you a good trainer for me? And I'm like, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? And they're like, well, I want to run a marathon. Immediately, I say, no, not me. And the reason is because I'm not a marathon trainer. I don't know how to run. I can run and I can take your money, but I don't know how to train for a, a, a marathon. There are certain ways. There are ways of doing that. And if some, a pregnant lady came up and said, I'm pregnant and I want to work out, I'm like, well, that's not for me. There are personal trainers who are great. We're working with pregnant people, right? And so everybody doesn't meet. There's not some perfect person, but what does meet is when you do meet someone and that you make a connection with someone that has experience or skills that you look up to or respect, and that is countered back and forth like a two-way street, that is where a true mentor or a father figure or somebody or even a mother figure can come in and help along. And so every single one of us, I don't care where you're from. I don't care how much money you have, what, what kind of car you drive. We all have experience and knowledge and stories to tell. And you had mentioned this earlier about having stories. Stories are one of the greatest ways to get people to actually like move mountains, right? Like, oh, I can picture it. I can mentally like vividly picture that. And I want to be that. And every single one of us can do that. But the way that we connect with people that is is different, right? Because everybody's going to connect with people differently. And I connect with certain people better than I do other people. Uh, and an example of this is when in, in martial arts, I, uh, um, I would kick and when I would do a front kick, I would land really hard with my front leg and it would sound like an elephant hitting the mat or the floor or whatever. And you're not supposed to do that because if you land with most of the weight on your front, you can get it swept out from under you and you fall and you, you get a hit. And for years I would land and my instructors would say, you know, you gotta land softly, you gotta relax, you gotta become one. And, and I would still. Boom, I would hit hard, boom, boom, every single time. And I was a black belt and I was living in Japan. I went to college in Japan and I worked, uh, worked over there. And I was on the all 
the college team in uh, martial arts. And as I was training at the world headquarters for our, our style of karate, Shotokan, one of the young instructors turned to me and he says, Blue, why don't you think of yourself as a sunny side up egg? And this is in Japanese, by the way. Um, a sunny side up egg where your base is solid and you're this, you're white, right? You're the white is the solid base, but the yolk are your appendages and how flexible you are and how malleable and how able you're able to move. And as soon as I pictured that, I did a front kick and I landed softly like this little like butterfly landing down. I was like, oh my God, this was my aha moment, right? I'm like, what, how is it that this man, this one 23 year old man was able to reach me? He was able to unlock a door that no one else had. And I mean, Armando, I'm serious. When I was trained at the JKA, I had 16 instructors a week, right? For a class, every hour on the hour, I was trained in that often. And no one, and my instructor back in Spokane, no one could unlock that door. And this man unlocked it and just said one thing. And I was like, whoa, and it clicked with me, right? It'd, it'd be like, if you're with your wife and you're talking about finance, you're like, babe, you can't spend money. You can't spend it. You don't buy that new car. We got to wait a little bit. Blah, blah. And then all of a sudden a finance mentor comes in and he says, don't buy that new car. And she comes up to you and says, we shouldn't buy that car. That's not a sign. You're like, I've been telling you that forever, right? It's just how that person delivers it. Yeah. And that instructor was able to unlock that door. He had been, he said the same thing that every other instructor had said, just a little differently, right? And he connected with me that way. And as a result, I was like, you know, that kind of works within anything that we do. It really does. And so as a personal trainer and as a, and, and as a martial arts instructor, when I would teach people, I would like, all right, what is your, how do you get to four? And everybody's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, if I ask you, what is your sum of four? How do you get there? And they're like, I don't know, two plus two. I'm like, okay, two plus two for you is four. But this guy over here is one plus three and it equals four. And for you, it might be five minus one. The point is, is that we all get to four differently. And in math and science, that's called equifinality, which basically means that there's multiple, if not infinite ways of achieving a certain result. And I just started using this as my little formula to reach people because the Japanese believe if, as a teacher, if I'm not able to explain it to you, and you're not learning it, it's my fault. Whereas the American way is like, well, it's, it's the teacher's fault, right? It's, it's not my fault, right? But the Japanese believe they have to be able to directly connect with that person. And so how do I find my four with you? And if I know how you get to four, I can explain how to get to four, right? And so that's just something that I've always used. And hence I named the book after that because we all get to our goals, our destinations and our dreams differently. And there's no right or wrong way of achieving that. There's just more scenic routes, more expensive, more cost-effective, right? Or, or quicker ways of getting to that result. But we all have the ability to get to the destination that you want. Dude, you summed it up really well. No pun intended. Uh, yeah, I was going to go there. No pun intended. <laughs> no, for sure. Uh, I can. I, I, I definitely want to, um, to, to stay connected with you. Um, you know, what a dynamic individual and, and everybody, um, the sum of four by blue Styley. definitely read this book. It's fantastic. Um, I'm on, um, I think chapter five or six, I'm on creating an emotional connection, but, uh, it, it's a great book. It's, it's, it's a fun read. Like I said, it's full of stories and, um, you know, and I'm, I'm just, I, I can't wait to, to finish it. And, and you just have a, an amazing story. Tell the folks where they can kind of follow you and, and, you know, and see where, uh, you know, subscribing and, and following and all that. Good yeah. Stuff. 
so my website is bluestyley.com, just my name, B-L-U-E-S-T-I-L-E-Y.com. Uh, and I obviously have my, you can get my book there. You can get my book on Amazon. You can get it on all the, the spots, whether it's uh, an ebook version or not. But if you get it on bluestyley.com or the sum of four.com, if you use Cobra Kai, uh, it will give you a 20% discount. And I would cool. offer that to all your listeners for sure. Uh, I'm a huge martial arts fan and I know several of the guys who are on Cobra Kai and I grew up loving uh, Karate Kid. So that's a big heart to me. But yeah, use that code. That'll help you out a little bit. Um, I'm on uh, LinkedIn at Blue Styley, Instagram at Blue Styley. It's kind of cool having a unique name because there's not many blues out there. Yeah, no, for sure. A hundred percent. Man, I could I could go all day. This um, was fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, for spending time with me today. And uh, you guys check them out, follow them, get that book. And I uh, can't wait to see what else you got next, man. All right. Thank you so much. We'll stay connected, brother. Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. And that was Spaghetti on the Wall, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by LaDuke Entertainment. For all of your digital marketing needs, video, podcasting, social media, we got you. And you can watch Spaghetti on the Wall everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, you know where to find it. Google, you know. And uh, we'll see you all next week. <laughs>